Dr. Kristen Oja here, entrepreneur and functional medicine expert. Welcome to Little By Podcast, where our goal is to empower you to achieve optimal health, one step and one episode at a time. Taking a functional medicine approach will cover a variety of health and wellness topics, from how to optimize performance to how to balance your hormones and everything in between. This podcast is for educational purposes only, so please be sure to consult your healthcare provider before incorporating any changes into your daily routine. Now grab your headphones and let's go for a walk as we take steps towards becoming your best self. This episode is with Dr. Kara Pepper. She's an internal medicine physician in Atlanta, Georgia. And I just wanted to share a little bit about her background and what we're going to talk about on this episode because she spent years training and she finally achieved her dream of becoming a physician. She got married. She had two children. She continued to build a successful practice in Atlanta, Georgia. She was waitlist only, unable to even accept new patients. And it seems like she had it all. Uh, but foolishly, she just kept waiting for life to get easier and easier. She was really driven to perform at the highest level professionally, pouring everything she had into every patient day in and day out. But the problem was, at the end of the day, she had nothing left to offer her family. She would spend late evenings with a sleepless toddler and her husband and arrive at work totally depleted before the day had even begun. And instead of taking time to really appreciate her achievements and success, she felt she was failing at everything, failing as a wife, failing as a mother, failing as a physician, and ultimately failing herself. Uh, And she really felt like work-life balance was impossible. It was unattainable, and she was exhausted. She was burned out, and she needed restoration. And this is really when she started to prioritize herself as the most important patient. And so she now has her own practice. She's built in balance. She's specialized in helping other physicians and healthcare workers prevent burnout, through even simple things of efficient charting, you know, having a daunting task like signing off on everybody's notes feels simpler and quicker. Um, And her other niche that we're really going to get into today is eating disorders. She, we talk a lot in this episode about where did this kind of skinny mentality even come from? And why are we chasing this? And how, when we compliment someone's weight loss, what we actually might be complimenting. So I really hope that you guys enjoy this episode. Share it with friends and family or anyone that might benefit. And make sure to check out the show notes and um, check out her practice. I hope that the right person hears this and knows that this is a tool here in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, that is such a valuable, valuable tool. So in this episode, we're going to be really talking about body positivity, and we're going to be talking about our health beyond the number on the scale. And I brought in a specialist, Dr. Pepper, who I love to follow on Instagram. She provides a lot of really good content, and I reached out to her after she did this post talking about how when we compliment weight loss, what we might be complimenting. And I just got like kind of chills when I read that post, and I was like, this is, this is something we need to talk about on the Little Buy podcast. So I really appreciate you being on here, and I'm excited to have this conversation. And as we were talking, we're not here to fix you know eating disorders and body positivity movement in this one episode, but it's just to start the conversation. Yeah. So welcome. Thanks for having me. So we wanted to first, like we were chatting about like, well, what is health? And why as a society have we gotten into this place of defining health by being skinny? 
like how we look on the outside. So what are you seeing in practice? Like how are you handling this conversation around health and weight? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a lot to dig into, but often I'll answer your question in two parts. There's the historical part of like why we decided to decide that thinness is health. And that comes from hundreds of years ago. It really is rooted in racism and anti-fatness being anti-blackness. And there's plenty of, you know, advocates in the space who've written and, and talked about this much better than I have, fearing the black body, et cetera. But there are it really comes down through generations of being taught that thinness equates to wealth, to health, to piety, to virtue. And that's been handed to us. So if you are a human who exists in America right now, you have been indoctrinated with this idea that thinness is more desirable than living in a big body. And so all of us, whether you enter the healthcare space as a patient or as a provider, you know, and what you and I do, we all are indoctrinated with this desire that like, we want to help people. We want them to feel healthy. And part of our brain has been told, be thin. That's the way to be healthy. And that is not only erroneous, but it's not even remotely centered around what the patient values. And this is something that in functional medicine we see all the time where they come in and at the beginning, their goals were weight loss, sleep, energy, brain health. So we call it the holistic patient, right? They had a whole list of complaints. We start working through them and we see them at their follow-up and they're not doing better. So we start going through the list of the symptoms they came in with. Okay, so you're sleeping better. Your energy is better. Yeah. Oh, your mental health is better. Um, you're not crashing at 3 p.m. Mm-hmm. You're not snapping at your kids. That sounds like a lot of positives to me. Yeah. And then they'll say, well, I haven't lost weight. Right. And that one specific thing determines everything. And it, it's those moments where like my heart just breaks because I'm like, how have we gotten past not being able to celebrate all these other wins on our on our health journey that... I think everybody, if you get to the core of it, would argue quality of life and how we feel is so much more important, but then society gives us this other message. Yeah. It feels very controversial because people, even if they can acknowledge all those things, all of this is great, except for the fact that I still believe I should be in a smaller body. I'm being told that I should be in a smaller body. I went to another doctor and they told me, you need to lose weight. And so it's really, uh, I think patients are looking for um, reliable information from people that they trust to help guide them, but it is really hard to let go of that part of our brain that tells us we need to be thin and that is healthy. And we know it's not. So often I'll just ask patients like, how do you know if you're healthy? If you could not look at the scale, what does that look like and feel to you? And so for example, you know, I saw a patient last week who was like, well, you know, for me, I just want to be able to play with my grandkids. I'm like, well, tell me what that means. They're like, well, you know, it hurts when I get down on the carpet with them and then try to get standing up. So I'm like, we're talking about mobility. We're talking about pain control in your knees. We're talking about agility and strength. Like that is very different than body size or shape. Yes. So getting very clear about what aligns with what you care about. I think those are much more, not only attainable goals, but meaningful goals besides what's on the scale. Well, and that's exactly like when you know your why, you can figure out your how. Totally. And um, one of the things that I was just kind of thinking as we were talking about the history of where this came from. Yeah. Isn't there also like the flip side where in some cultures, the bigger you were, the richer and the more food you had? Like, wasn't that like a moment in history too? Was that? Yes, that's exactly it. If you look back at Renaissance paintings, I mean, what do you see these kings and queens that are full figured? You know, that wealth and um, body size was totally tied together. But as you know, if you want to go there, that's just white colonial um, Europe going to Africa and saying, this is not okay. So we're going to other people in darker skin who are in more full figured bodies. And it was in that shift 
which was compounded by the religious movement at the time, that piety, worth was all tied to white thinness. And that has been handed down through generations. So it really is, if you want to be very clear, a sign of white supremacy that we think that thinness equals health. You know, I've never, ever thought about the root cause of this. Yeah. So that alone is a very interesting thing to think about. Right. So when someone comes in, they define their health. Do you find that you just are constantly trying to re-navigate your patients away from weight to, or like how, when they want to talk about weight, like how, how do you structure this? Are you working on confidence? Are you working on positivity? Like, so we keep trying to figure out, okay, here's health, here's health, here's health. I I would imagine if your practice is similar to mine, that people, it's still going to come back to weight. Yeah. How do we start changing that dialogue? Like, what are some conversations you have? What do you think about resources? Yeah. So as you know, I mostly take care of folks with eating disorder behavior. And so I see kind of the the end result of this constant pressure to lose weight. And so we spend a lot of time as part of a team, dietitian, therapist, usually psychiatrist, and me looking at the medical complications of what people have done to try to conform into you know a body um, that's different than the one they're living in. And so often we start with the why, as you said, like what really matters to you? Because you could continue to beat yourself up. You could have restrictive patterns, purging patterns, all types of um, ways to try to change the shape of your body. But why are you here? Like what was the breaking point for you that really made you say, I can't keep doing this. This isn't working. So starting with your why is always a a good first place. And I will tell you that patients truly feel um, harmed by our healthcare system and abandoned by that. And I definitely have patients when I'm like, I'm not going to help you lose weight or tell you you need to lose weight. People will say, well, you clearly don't know what you're doing because I need to lose weight to be healthy. And so that is often the work in the very beginning is just to help people understand why their brain continues to offer them um, that deep desire because you go out of my office and that's what you're going to hear everywhere else you go. And so to the point that that post that I put on social media a while back, often the first thing you do when you go to a doctor's office is get on a scale and then people say, oh my God, you look great. You've lost weight. And that alone just shows how we're not even looking for root causes, which is what you do for a living. It's, you know, what is really going on in the background? How are you losing that weight? Are you doing that in a way that's harmful for you? Have you been depressed? And this is actually a sign of a mental health disorder. Do you have cancer and you're going through chemotherapy and I'm complimenting your weight loss? Like we have no idea what's going on behind the scenes. And so untangling body size to even the way that we just talk to people, um, I think is really important. So- Well, and it's interesting, some of my patients that have developed, I was uh, telling Dr. Pepper that in our space and functional medicine, I'm constantly trying to be aware of like perfectionism or this desire to live their best life. Like a lot of my patients, they come in here, cash pay, Mm -hmm. and they want to figure out how do I become the best version of myself? And let's say we uncover something like, okay, you have Hashimoto's and you have a gluten sensitivity. Mm -hmm. They cut out gluten and they feel so much better because their inflammation's down. Their thyroid antibodies are are down. So now they want to figure out, well, what if I cut out dairy? And what if I cut out all sugar? Now, what if I cut out all alcohol? What if I cut out every um, like seed oil, mm-hmm. right? And so now before they know it, they are 100% off all of these foods. Now, I think we could argue that you know some of these foods are not good for us, right? Sugar doesn't have a nutritional value. But I look at life a lot in this lens of balance Mm -hmm. and that we can't be perfect. And when we're striving for perfection in these areas, our system gets out of whack. Our nervous system gets out of whack. That's right. That's right. And we're really, as a practice, getting into this nervous system. And so it's a a hard place to be in for us because we understand, okay, you're trying to feel your best. You're feeling your best by doing these things. 
but you're you're being too good. Like we meet with our patients and you're like, you're being, you're being too perfect in all of this. And, um, so I don't know, like this, I know this is a very complex question and I think there's different personality traits, right? Like mine, people have heard me talk about this a hundred times. I'm a seven. I will never have perfectionist tendencies. (laughs) I'm an enthusiast on the Enneagram. I'm like about fun. Like if somebody told me, Kristen, like if you didn't drink your glass of wine on Friday and Saturday, you would live two years longer. I'd be like, okay, are you talking about like 95 to 97? Like, You know, like I'm like very, I I need fun. I need to go out to eat. I always joke with my patients. If you see me eat a burger, I don't need a burger seven days a week, but you know, don't, please don't judge me for eating a burger and being a functional medicine provider. But my other, some patients don't have that personality. Right. And so how do you, I'm sure a lot of the people you see, we were talking about this before. I see a lot of the perfectionism. We were talking about how there's tons of causes beyond that, right? This is not just a perfectionism. There's trauma, there's mental health, there's hormones. I want to kind of touch on some of those other things. But do you have any advice for the people listening that are trying to feel good and trying to become the best version of themselves, but are in the space of, of having a hard time finding how to keep their nervous system balanced and have fun in the process? This is a loaded question. Yeah. So perfectionism really is just adaptive behavior that comes from trying to avoid feelings of discomfort, right? So there's this fantasy that if we can be enough, do enough, do things perfectly enough, we can avoid pain and the discomfort of like shame or failure or rejection or whatever the things we're trying to run from. And so in the example that you provided, how people may say, well, I want to be healthy. I'm going to start eliminating foods from my diet it really feeds into this perfectionist cycle that if I can do it enough, then I can avoid feelings, not just a physical discomfort, but feelings of failure or feelings of hopelessness or overwhelm. But there are no absolutes, I guess, death and taxes, as people say, but there are otherwise no absolutes and certainly not in healthcare. And so for people who are primed, either their nervous system is dysregulated, they've got underlying um, anxiety, mental health disorders, there's you know genetic factors, there's social factors, I think this orthorexic picture of I'm going to be, quote, so clean is really just another form of perfectionism and black and white thinking. And we as healthcare providers really need to be looking at like, what is the rigidity around food? What are these rules around food? How is this helping and harm you? Even the words that we use, this is a healthy food. This is not healthy. Like all food is, is fuel, right? That's it. There's no good foods. There's no bad foods. There's no moral value. There's no quote, clean foods. Like the only thing that makes it clean is like washing it under the sink. Like the, <laughs> like there's, so it's like putting these like absolutes on food themselves, which feeds into this perfectionist cycle. And I do think it probably comes from a good place in the beginning. I want to fit in with my friends who are thin, or I want to eat foods that are quote clean so I can be healthy, or I need to feel better because I feel so overwhelmed. I'm going to purge or overeat, et cetera. So I can manage that. There's a million reasons why people de- develop these behaviors And that is what the work is, is trying to slow down enough to figure out what is driving these behaviors, how is it helping me, and how is it harming me? And, you know, I see the folks with a true diagnosed eating disorder, but it's not, again, it's not all or nothing. It's not either you're healthy or you have an eating disorder. It's this spectrum. Mm -hmm. And so the folks I find actually the hardest are the ones who don't meet diagnostic criteria. So no one, everyone just gets, you know, so much praise, like, oh, you just eat you know, all these great healthy foods and, oh, you're at the gym all the time and, oh, you're just crossfitting. And they're so rigid that it's actually diminishing their joy. It's creating barriers between them and the things that are are actually fun, but they don't quite meet criteria. So 
that the short answer to your question is finding a way to really recognize, is this helping and harming you? And sometimes you just can't tell when you're in it. You need someone on the outside looking in. Who knows? And those are questions that I try to ask my patients a lot. Like with all of our kind of wellness buckets we look at, like a big one is happiness, right? So like I'll ask my patients like, well, you know, you've made a lot of these really like changes of eating whole foods and you're exercising and how are you feeling? And some people are like, I've never been happier. I've never felt better. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, if you're off plan and you travel, like, how do you feel? Is that shift you? Like, are you able to enjoy vacations? And some people really have achieved this state of like, they've made a lot of positive movement to become the best version of themselves. Yeah. And other people when I ask them this question, they're like, no, I, I I don't go on dates with my husband anymore. Like he knows. And I'm like, well, that's our happiness bucket. So like, how do we add, like, what is bringing you happiness right now? Yeah. Besides like the joy and like the happiness alongside the quality of life, is there any other questions that we can ask ourselves of like where we are on the spectrum of like, so I come at this and I never, I don't know if I've really shared this much with anybody, but um, I was orthorexic. Mm-hmm. So when I, I'm an all or nothing personality and and as I'm sharing this with some of my patients, I've seen like, this was me until I met my husband. Yeah. Um, and I would never have described it that way because yeah. I was super healthy in quotes, yes. right? Yes. Like I ate probably more volume than I even eat now, but I didn't put a thing in my mouth that was not healthy, right? right? And I was running. I needed to run for my mental health. Running was my like ADHD treatment. So mm-hmm. I would eat super clean and I would run. And if I didn't run, my mental health suffered. And I was in this vicious cycle and I was happy as long as I was doing those things. Yeah. And my husband is the very opposite version of me. And so he was like, Kristen, like you're a little rigid. Like mm-hmm. you don't want to go out to eat because like you're checking the menu before you go out to eat. Like, why do you need to look at the menu? Like this right. is just food. Like you don't go out to eat every night. Right. And I'm like, you're right. Like I, I don't go out to eat every night. So obviously it's not that simple of a conversation, but right. for me, it was a large influence on realizing the rigidness. Yeah. And that was keeping you from the things that were meaningful to you. You wanted to be able to engage with this man that you fell in love with. And these behaviors were keeping you from being able to do that in a meaningful way. And I think like if you don't, environment and community is probably a huge aspect because you mentioned like having the people in your life that will recognize it for you. Yeah. Um, How often do you find that that is the case? That either a provider, a friend, a spouse, like is it normally these moments that people have where somebody has said something to them that has made themselves reflect or do you think people like end up just kind of hitting rock bottom and then they're like okay I have zero joy and I'm depressed I need to get in it's a very complex <laughs> y'all can't see my face I have this like very hopeless look on my face like oh it's so hard because if your environment is surrounded by people who are reinforces reinforcing the very behaviors you know they're quote eating clean, which means that they're totally restricting their diet and they're exercising compulsively. And that's the entire community you're with, or you're with, you know, a family system that tells you, you need to be thin in order to be accepted. And what's wrong with you? You're the odd man out. Like there's so much about the community that can feed these behaviors. They may actually really reward you for doing exactly that. And so sometimes it is a friend or, you know, I would hope it would be a clinician, but we also have that anti-fat bias indoctrinated in us. So Unfortunately, it's often when people hit rock bottom, their mental health deteriorates or they really, they, you know, can't get up for a job promotion because their brain's not working as well anymore and they're making mistakes at work because their brain's underfueled. Like there's usually a tipping point. But 
But yes, sometimes it's a friend just being like, I'm really worried about you. Mm -hmm. So like never, ever underestimate the power. If you are listening now and you have a friend or a family member that you're worried about, just simply saying to them, like, I'm worried. Like they may not want to hear it. They may brush it off, but like it gets implanted in there at some point and it will be part of their recovery story. And it can be so many things beyond just food, right? Like, I mean, it's alcohol, it's like, I even know for me when I've been on my phone in the evening, you know, like little things like that, like my husband will even hold me accountable and be like, hey, Kristen, like, you know, we're really being present with our girls. And I'm like, thank you for being my accountability. I need this phone box. I'm here. So I think that accountability is, it's really when you think about it, a very cool thing when you intuitively, like when you deeply love those around you. Yeah. That aspect is is so valuable. So we talked about like using caution when complimenting weight. And I think this is just, again, main reason I wanted to bring you on here and such a catalyst for this whole conversation. What are better, better questions to ask instead? So instead of saying like, hey, you're like physically looking great, or I can tell you've lost weight, you look amazing. How do we flip that dialogue to not validate this you know, anti-fat, skinny culture. Yeah. What are what are words? What are questions? What should we be telling people, asking people? Hey, it's great to see you. How are you? How are you really? You look so bright today. I love being with you. It makes me feel so good. Wow, I always like, you light up a room when you walk in here. Uh, or even if you're worried that they are not looking good, you can say, hey, you uh, you seem different. What's new with you? What's What's going on? You don't seem like your normal self, but avoiding ways that we comment about people's bodies and I think particularly in corporate America, you know, there's such a push to like really not touch or comment about anyone's bodies, but like, why can't we do that in our personal life? You know, we don't necessarily have to comment about people's bodies in social situations. So I would lean more towards like how they make you feel. It's so good to be with you. You're such a great friend. I love how you listen. Any of those things really um, show the real meaning behind the relationship that you have without commenting about their body. And those compliments feel so much more meaningful. Like they feel like you're actually paying attention. They're personal compliments. Yeah. Um, Which I just love that. I, one thing that cracks me up, and this is like a side note to bring this lighthearted conversation into it. My husband during the pandemic grew out this like massive beard that was like very, very, in my opinion, gross. Like he would get food stuck in there. And I was like, (laughs) talking to him, I was like, I cannot handle this. But it was the first time I've seen how, opinionated people are yeah. that they either love it and he was getting like high fives and they were just like validating this beard and he held on to those validations. Like, oh, yeah. I mean, he was not getting rid of this beard for his like men out there that like love this beard. Uh, but then also I was always surprised that some people were like, I, that beard is like horrible. You need to cut it off. I'm like, I've never heard such yeah. opinions until it was something that was so like he could shave it tomorrow. Yeah. Right. Like it was this like very like tangible thing that I think people felt really comfortable sharing their opinion on. Um, but it's just, it is interesting how, what we say, the yeah. impact it has, that's much deeper yeah. than surface surface level. Yeah. And for any of your women listeners, you know, I think we all understand perhaps that we may have some thoughts about our bodies, but we don't want our kids to struggle the same way. And the best advice I can give you is do the work yourself, heal your own relationship with your body. And that in and of itself totally transforms the messages that you're sending to your children, both, you know, of all genders and um, sexualities. And so um, I think it's just important for us to understand our relationship with our body in that way and do the work ourselves because it makes a big difference. Um, Yeah. 
I had a thought and then I just lost it. I'll think of so it. So I had second. the metabolism makeover. She was on one of the episodes and we were talking much deeper into like mindset work. Mm-hmm. And we were talking about how I wanted to get her because she's like having this whole smash the scale. Um, I want to get Abby with Clarity mm-hmm. and Dr. Pepper and Stat Wellness. And like, I want to do like a big Piedmont Park, like yeah. movement to smash scales, get rid of it, move away from weight, move yeah. around from this terminology when I hear this terminology and myself, like I'm trying to like figure out like how I can be better too. Yeah. Like I say, like I'm on here, you guys have probably heard me say things like my, my, I am not perfect over here on this yeah. side of the yeah, no uh, room, but I'm, I want to be. And I think that's the thing, all of our listeners, like we're all going to slip up and comment yeah. and say things like our culture has, we've done this forever, right. but we can change it. We can change it by recognizing it and changing those thoughts. And um, I know as a practice, it's something that we've all, all of us providers have met and talked about is like, you know, how do we move the conversation away from weight? Like, and we keep trying to recurrent and recurrent and it's, you know, you get stuck with these same circles, but I'm like, it's our job to keep moving back to what is health and how are you feeling? And let's focus on those. And yes, we want you to feel confident and good, but it doesn't mean you have to be skinny, right? Yeah. And in uh, terms of the body positivity movement, I think it's another form of perfectionism. Like you can go from hating your body to all of a sudden loving it and celebrating it. And I would just like to offer that for most of us, that's it's certainly not accessible today. So like, how could you even get to like neutrality with your body? Like, yep, there's my body. It exists, right? It's below my head. So like I often will do exercises with patients or coaching clients to be like, tell me all the amazing thing that, things that your body can do. Like your arms can hug your children. Your pelvic floor can hold urine inside your body without, you know, being incontinent. Like my feet take me to places that I want to see. My eyes are able to see the beauty of nature. And like, what are the things that your body can do instead of focusing on all the things that we think our bodies cannot do? And it really starts to shift us away from like, I hate my body so much to saying like, I don't necessarily like the way it looks in the mirror, but I recognize that I'm strong and fit and can do the things that really matter to me. And it's those, uh, in your own words, little by little, it's those tiny little steps that may get you to a place of acceptance, which is much more achievable and meaningful than to try to pretend that you love your body. Cause you know, you don't, it's not a moral failing to not love your body. Just accepting who you are and the things that you can do is so powerful. Well, I think that Thinking of the steps and when you start saying some of those things and the progress it would take you, like the positive affirmations. Mm-hmm. So like I think about when we keep saying positive things, like we start to believe it. Like mm-hmm. if we can just start finding the positives that are easy to maybe navigate. They're, they're real. They're real. Yeah. That is going to be like over time, yeah. the transformation that will happen. Right. And that's the thing that like I talk a lot with my postpartum moms. Yeah. I'm like, I want to talk about how your body just made a baby and you birthed a baby. Yes. Like, I just can't, like, I'm just like, I have to pause for a moment with that because I'm like, that is remarkable. Yeah. It's a miracle. Like, it is. So I love, I love that of of thinking of what is the in-between because you're exactly right. I think that nobody can move to the state of, I hate all these things about my body. I love all these things about my body, but we can celebrate all the things we could do. That is great. That is great. That's exactly the message that I want to get out in this episode. Mm of just starting this conversation. So um, is there anything else? Because this is like, you work with this clientele all the time. Is there like tools, resources, books? I'm obviously going to put your practice in the show notes. um, If you are taking new patients, Uh, we were talking before that Dr. Pepper is really great about kind of keeping her capacity to what she can handle. And so I'll put the show notes uh, on there, but her practice is wonderful. Uh, 
Is there any books? Is there any resources? Is there anything that is around this conversation that you would uh, recommend? Uh, yes. If you really want to understand how we got here as a society and why we think thinness is morally imperative and related to health, I mentioned at the beginning, Fearing the Black Body is an amazing book that kind of looks at how this got, uh, how we got here. Um, in terms of if you are worried that someone you know or you yourself, you're like Googling, like, do I meet criteria for eating disorder? <laughs> like, you can certainly Google them, but there are plenty of national resources um, like the Inter IADEP, International Association of Eating Disorder Professionals, or MEDA, M-E-D-A, M's and Mary, um, that, that have plenty of resources that are available. They will give you um, providers in your community. They will give you um, just information that you can start that for. And just to know that this doesn't have to be your forever. I mean, there's so many people who feel like they're in the hole and this is never going to go away and they're spending 80, 90% of their day thinking about food, body, and exercise. Like, if you could imagine what is possible if you could use that brain space for something else that does not require food, body, and exercise, like your capacity, your purpose, your mission in this life is so much bigger. Like your body size is the least interesting thing about you. So you have so much potential that's out there and there really is hope on the other side of, um, of getting through this. So please reach out to help or say something to someone, you know, like, I'm just worried about you. Right. That's a good place to start. I think a lot of us think thoughts that we don't say. Mm -hmm. And this is like that opportunity to, you know, when you are like right now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking about someone, send them a text, check in with them. That's right. Um, you know, ask them to get together, you know, go for a walk, have a talk, grab tea, you know, right. connect with one another on a deeper level. Yeah. And um, this is your permission to do that. Yeah, that's right. Thank you so much for being on. This was wonderful. And I'm really excited to get the feedback on this episode and get your guys' thoughts. Yeah. Um, Because I feel like this is a space that's, tough. It's a tough space and um, I want to do the best I can in it. So yeah, awesome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for tuning in. And as always, remember little by little, a little becomes a lot. Even the smallest changes over time can lead to total mind and body transformation. I'd love for you to stay connected with at Dr. Kristen Oja and at Stat Wellness on Instagram. And if you have any questions, be sure to reach out. I'd love to hear from you.